Jensen Bottom, it's been great to see you back in F1 at Monaco. How was your weekend? Well, the car broke down in qualifying. I started last. I drove round at the back and I retired. And how does F1 in 2017 compare to last season? It's exactly the same. Definitely. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. He's called Zog. Hello. I'm called Gareth, and this one's called Richard. Hello. Richard, you mentioned it in the last show, only in passing, that you've been hanging out with some race drivers, namely Australians like Mark Webber. Mm-hmm. You were at Monaco, but not for Formula One. You were there for Formula E. Uh, yeah, I went to Formula E in Monaco the same weekend as the Spanish Grand Prix and the Formula E race on the Saturday, and it was quite interesting. That was uh, your first Formula E race, was, wasn't yeah, it? It was, yeah, because I know you went to the Battersea Park. To the yeah, one, yeah. yeah were you, what were your first impressions? I found it very interesting. I was a guest of the Jaguar team, and so we were allowed into the Jaguar pit and had the grid walk and all of this stuff. So it was a proper nice, who-get-me kind of package of things to do. And we got to talk to the guy who's running the Jag team, who is a Williams person, in fact, and he told us lots of interesting stuff about the cars and how mm. they work. You know, they all have these Williams battery packs. It's a Delara chassis. Yeah. You know, every team has the same. The point of difference is not only the drivers, but also the electric motors and then the electrical systems that go with it, the inverters that change it from DC to AC and all that sort of stuff. And I found that all interesting. And the sort of procedures and protocols they have to go through, all the behind-the-scenes stuff I found very interesting. So from a sort of technical point of view, mm. I was suckered in. And I liked, first of all... The enthusiasm for it that they have. And again, I'm only speaking you for the, the people within the series yeah. or the people of Monaco. First of all, I know this sounds absurd, but you know, they're clearly all taking it very, very seriously. They also, though, were very honest enough to say that that Jaguar racing car was all done a bit short notice. It was not ideal in many ways, but it was there to get them in the game and to start accruing data and learning so that when the rules change for 2018-19 season, when they'll go to one car, none of that inelegant changing over, business, yeah, which is a bit of a... More battery yeah. capacity, so the cars will just do the whole race in one go. They're going to look very different as well, so even more kind of space-age and more fed-in wheels and all this sort of stuff. And by then, they're hoping they will be a much more competitive team. So this is a sort of early days learning experience, and they were honest enough to say that. And that, to me, was almost indicative of something that I also found quite endearing about it, which is it seems a little bit less stuffy and a bit more laid back than Formula One. They're taking it seriously. They want to go racing. There's a load of drivers in there. You know, you're sort of going, oh, there's so, there's so, there's so, there's so, you know, Nick Heidfeld's in there and... Uh, uh, Buemi. Buemi. Nelson Piquet Jr. There's loads of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Adam Carroll is driving for, uh, yeah. for uh, uh, Jaguar, who's XA1GP guy from Northern Ireland. Very nice chap, met him. He's very affable and, again, very honest about it. He's in his 30s and he's like, look, it's my window of opportunity to go racing. It's getting narrower and narrower. So I'm going to grab this with both hands. It's, mm. good. it's a good thing to get on board with. But make sure you're earthed first. Well, here's the thing. One of the things they told me is that if you have a crash, all the drivers have been briefed, you do a jump exit. 
you never, never, oh. never, never just put one foot on the ground, obviously, because if the car's if gone live, yeah. Ooh, yeah. that's bad. And it goes right across your katangas, doesn't it? It would be, it would be horrendous. Yeah. All sorts of safety procedures that they have to follow because, yeah. you know, the guys working on the car, if they have to do anything in the back, in the powertrain part, then they're wearing these gloves. Very heavy rubber. Yeah, 1,000 yeah, volts yeah. they reckon they can resist. They are incredibly thick rubber. Mm. The chief Jaguar sponsor... It's Panasonic. Yeah. It says Panasonic down the side. I wonder if they are technical partners as well as merely sponsors, because Panasonic can turn out a battery. Yeah, I was going to say, the be. battery tech would be where mm. they'd come in, isn't it? Like, or battery management so motors tech. Because the batteries are coming from Williams. Everybody's batteries are oh, coming of from course, Williams. Yeah, At the yeah. moment. Yeah. At the moment. They'll be going to... McLaren are going to supply the batteries mm. when the rules change for the 2018, because it went to tender, McLaren bid for it, they won. And I don't know whether Panasonic do anything with the battery management, or if it's purely just a sort of title I wonder thing. if McLaren <laughs> will be able to double... The performance of the batteries, given the number of cells and the space and the weight available in the car, because they're going to have to do that. You can double it, but lose some performance in order to make it happen. They're going to have to double it and maintain the performance of those two well, and, car and batteries. The technical roadmap for that must be entirely worked out because you know you're getting down some very kind of basic bits of chemistry, chemistry here. Yeah. You know? So they must know what kind of batteries they're going to use. And the capacity sure. of the batteries at the moment, I think they're 28 kilowatt hour batteries. Now, that's not actually very big. You know, there are mm-hmm. plenty of battery electric road cars that have already got bigger batteries, not least the Teslas, mm. that are sort of 90 and 100 yep. kilowatt hours. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that's the thing. It's all about the compromise between capacity and weight. And, and also then... safety. You'd be talking about the electrical aspect of it, but there's also a fire aspect. Lithium ion batteries are a fair fire hazard. Mm. There have been a few aircraft incidents where exploding, burning lithium ion batteries in cargo holds have caused problems. Yeah. Um, and those Samsung phones you weren't allowed to take on yeah. planes because that all went off. Exactly. Funny enough, not only the batteries in the Formula E cars have been through a whole load of tests to try and make them as safe as possible if anything happens, if there's a big crash but also they have to be certified as safe to fly. So they've been through a load of certification for that because, of course, the series is going around the world to all these different places. They're always being stuffed into the cargo hold of transport planes, so they have to make sure they're not going to, as you say, suddenly Mm. burst into flames. They do everything as they possibly can to prevent that. Mm. So you'll notice I'm talking a lot about the technical side and the things I learned there, which is a funny way of sort of admitting that the racing itself was kind of all right, but it's Monaco, so it's like... Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's never going to be tremendous. It was close to, that's the thing, because the cars are so closely matched. You know, the chassis all being the same and the batteries all being the same. It comes down to the efficiency. The motor was one of the things they were saying. The E-Downs Renault team Mm. generally agreed to have that nailed the best out of any of the teams. And so they've got, because of that, because their motor is just a bit more efficient and maybe they've made some other sort of improvements in the ancillaries around it, that they can just go harder for longer. Interesting that a lot of the big players in EVs are in Formula E, of course. Audi are there. Audi are representing the VW side of things. You've got Faraday Future. They're there. What's his name's team? Venturi. Venturi are majoring in electrical vehicles, in EVs. Jaguar, who are about to bring the I-Pace, is that what it's going to be called, onto market. But where are Tesla, why have Tesla made the choice not to engage with this sport, which you'd think that they would have such a strategic advantage in, that they would wipe the floor with the other teams? Well, mm, no, maybe see, they the think thing. they it's already like, see themselves as a kind of leader in the electric yeah, car they're business. A, they're, a massive electric, they? they're a massive electric car yeah. name. 
because all they make is electric cars. Mm. It's more in the interests of Audi, Renault are in there, mm. Peugeot, Citroën through the, the DS. DS name yeah. are in there. Mm. BMW are coming in for the next season. Yeah. Mercedes were rumoured to be doing it, and they've deferred on their entry slot, so I don't know what's going on there. And then, yeah, say so Jag. And what's interesting is because you go, well, of course, this is really good marketing for them because they have got their first pure electric car. The production version will be announced this year, and then it's on sale next year good marketing to go hey look we already race an electric car this is how down with electric we are but actually i met a guy in the pits there who is one of their road car engineers who's embedded with the race team yeah and that's not just some fancy work experience that's because they want to pass knowledge back and forth and he was absolutely engrossing about the gains you can make in motors and how they're trying to absorb all this information this is the honda model this is the honda model that's what honda have done they've had guys from their road car division in the race car division and vice versa they don't see a difference Mm. and we've discussed this i think we said a long time ago when jean tot mooted formula e which i think it was going to be called formula one e initially that it took us back to the days of the very dawn of motorsport where the advances in racing over the weekend translated immediately into cars disc brakes independent suspension lighter materials any of the things which were developed from motorsport which filtered into road cars and we've come a long way from that now that doesn't happen quite so much in motorsport so Mm. electric racing is the place to go for this isn't it yeah it's one of those areas that is still really changing in terms of consumer motoring Mm. for a while now you'd have to go out of your way to find a car that didn't have decent brakes Mm. that didn't handle at least acceptably you yeah. know yeah. that wasn't reasonably reliable yeah. that stuff was sorted out a long time ago apart from Vauxhall um, of course yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, you know but but making convincing electric cars that have got enough range and performance for everybody we're working on this we are still working on the electric car and so yeah, a race series is a good place to thrash some of these yeah. things. Yeah, well, that's the, I'm always a bit sceptical about, oh, racing improves the breed. I mean, you're, Gareth, yeah. you're absolutely right. I think in the olden days it did, absolutely, yeah. no question, drive forward things like disc brakes. But the crossover now between a Formula One car, say a Ferrari Formula One car, a Ferrari road car, I think is, is, is much less than they would try to make you believe. Uh, undoubtedly, yeah, sure. And I'm sure it has, you know, F1 and particular sort of pushed advances in things like carbon fibre. But... Now the crossover is relatively minimal because road cars and F1 cars, you know, sort of both quite mature technologies and the techniques involved in making them have both sort of been refined and you can't just have a massive amount of people in either for various reasons. But when the heart of a Formula E car is the electric motor and electric motors are now going to become very important in road cars and any efficiency gain is still considered to be a tremendous advantage because mm. we're moving at a rate of knots on that one. Then, yeah, funnily enough, and they're so keen on any weight saving in these Formula E cars. I was looking at the brake discs on one of the Jag racing cars that was in the garage with the wheels off. And I went, yeah, the brakes are really small on these cars. And the guy who was showing us around went, actually, yeah, the car's it... over-braked. Everybody has the same brake discs and we can't alter them. They're but, just yeah. one of the standardised parts. Most of the braking is done with the end. With, yeah, with the yeah. Motor. and he went, because we've got all the regen stuff yeah. going on, and it's like, actually, you know, if we could, we'd make them smaller because it would save a bit of weight. Mm. And I was thinking, you know, they look like the sort of discs yeah, off I a mean, Fiesta or something. They're yeah, not impressive know, brakes. Race cars have big brakes. That's one of the reasons you can tell it's a racing car. Yeah, yeah. 
And someone's done a proper job on this rather than just bought a road car on the circuit. You know, it's got proper brakes. I'm reminded of the thing that your average Uber driver always says about driving his Prius around. Or any minicab driver who drives a Prius. Oh, I love this car. It saves me some money in terms of fuel and congestion charge. But actually, it saves me most of all in not having to replace the brake pads every 50,000 miles. The braking on the Prius is done so much by the energy recovery systems that the brake pads last twice or three times as long as our conventional fuel car. Not in any Uber I've been. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, my gosh, really? yeah. <laughs> it was slightly noisier. I always think, look, yeah, I'm not in a particular hurry, and... You, presumably, are trying to watch your costs a little bit. But, yeah, they're always really late breakers, really late uh, and aggressive breakers. You sort that's of think, how you're supposed to do it. Have you done no. some, some kind of bad coast. Uber app? Are you getting all the really... I do. I think I have got really bad Uber drivers. at the moment because I've had some bizarre Ubers recently. <laughs> but that's another story. The same happened to a friend of the show, Johnny Smith. He's got a Vauxhall Ampere. Oh, sorry, no, he hasn't. He's got a Chevy Volt. Yeah. So, same difference. And when he bought it, he had it checked over. And the guy looking at it went, so it's had new brakes on it. And Johnny checked with the seller, and the bloke went, "No, no, never had new brakes. Hmm. Had it from new, never had new brakes. It's just those cars it, again, being a regen heavy hybrid. Hmm. They don't trouble their brakes, which is all the more interesting when they are actually quite heavy. You know, when you've got all those battery packs in it, they are actually quite hmm. heavy things to stop. But the regen system does such a good job. And even when you're touching the brake pedal, actually, its go-to is the regen first. Hmm. As anyone who's ever driven an electric car after it's just been on charge and it's gone to the max." on its battery so you've got 100% battery power and then of course the regen isn't active because there's no room to cram more electricity into the battery and the braking characteristics are suddenly a little bit different and you can come a cropper I'm speaking from experience having nearly driven a BMW i3 into some gates at the BBC oh did you (laughs) how was that i3 they've been on charge in the car park i3 or i8 you're an i8 i3 I3. this was years ago when they first came out I borrowed an i3 and I charged it up in the BBC car park all day got 100% battery I was like oh brilliant and Set off up the ramp out of the car park onto the flat bit that leads towards these automatic but quite hefty metal gates that open mm. to let you out of the premises. Just lifted off. The i3 has incredibly, you can do this, what they call one foot driving in electric car circles. Yep. It's got such aggressive regen. You barely touch the brakes in that car if you're just in sort of mm. crawly traffic. Lifted off the accelerator, expecting the car to fully, because it regens so hard without touching the brake pedal that the brake lights come on to warn people behind you. Mm. Lifted off, expecting full and aggressive slowing down. Nothing happened. <laughs> Sorry, I'm full. realised that, yeah, I was like, no, I've got nothing to do with this electricity. What do you want me to do with it? While we're talking about linking cars, can I ask you about the BMW i8 that you had recently for a week or two? Yes. Did you like it? I loved it. Yeah, I yeah. had it for a month and I absolutely adored it. A month you had it? Yeah, I completely take... love that car. It looked fantastic. Yeah, it does. And after a while, because I had it for long enough that you sort of get used to it, because it's a long-term test car from mm. Evo, who I write for, and they asked if I wanted to borrow it for months because they're based out of London, see how someone who lives in London would get on with it. Mm. And you think it's very wide and very low, and that would make it a bit of a pain in the city, but actually it doesn't. Looking out the front, anyway, it's got quite a good view out. The ride's quite nice, which is unexpected. And when it's running on electric power, it has that lovely, quiet smoothness that's a lovely way, if you're in traffic in the city, it's just a nice way to get around. The biggest problem, it's not perfect by any means, and it feels very sort of first generation. The next i8 will be tremendous. I mean, it will be truly tremendous. One of the slight drawbacks with this one is the battery's not that big. Mm-hmm. So they claim, I can't remember what, 22 miles or something, and it just won't do that. I'd fill it up to 100%, plugged in at my office, at the Grand Tour office in Chiswick, set off back to my place. It's about nine miles 
round the top of London. And it would invariably have run out of electricity by the time I got home and it would have kicked in the petrol engine. It's a bit Although, of a shame because there's the something up- very nice about just going, oh, I'm going to go home entirely electric mm-hmm. in this supercar, yeah. which it sort of almost is. Although, and whilst that clearly is pretty lousy range, mm. on the upside, it means you're never going to try and drive it without some petrol in the tank. You're always going to yeah. have fuel on board. You're never going to get stuck because you've tried to go somewhere on yeah. electric power alone. More frustratingly, in a way, particularly if you live somewhere where you've got access to nice roads and if your commute involves a sort of strop across the North York Moors or something like that, mm. A, you're very lucky, and B, you may find the I-8 occasionally frustrates you in that when you're in sport mode and you're really on it and you're changing on the paddles and stuff like that, the electric motors are still working because they're doing the front wheels mm-hmm. and making it four-wheel drive and doing the sort of tricksy stuff, the talk shuffling shenanigans that will pull you out of corners in this incredible way. But obviously that requires them to have some juice in the battery. If there's no juice in the battery, then it's just going to have to do the best it can with the mm. petrol engine. So you're losing part of its sort of dynamic box of tricks because mm. it, it won't interesting but won't it it's a different car it will it will and it, it's just, it usually i mean i'm saying that i never experienced that happening because but, but it could happen when i drove that? it on the open roads it had got loads of oomph in its battery and although that depletes quite quickly if you're really on it then you're probably you are probably. also on the brakes quite a lot it's regening enough to give yeah, itself that, that's the little, motor yeah. is a mini engine which yeah. is driving the rear wheels yeah, yeah. And there's a motor on the front wheels. Is there a motor on the rear wheels as well? Uh, Do we know? Yes, there is, isn't there? Because it can run on electric alone. When it runs on electric alone, it's front-wheel drive. And then it's this three-cylinder 1.5 turbo engine behind you. That's a funny engine as well because it's got a bit of a sound synthesizer on it. So when you put it into sport mode and you're really stropping it, stuff is being piped through the speakers, yep. which isn't entirely real. I, I don't like that. I know. I I just like inherently, that. I don't even know what you forget about it. After a while, you just enjoy it. Yeah. And it sort of sounds a little bit like a Porsche, like a flat six Porsche uh-huh. sometimes. First thing in the morning, particularly on a cold day, if you set off an electric power, but there's not much, and the petrol engine has to kick in, it sounds like a fairground generator. It's sort of a real kind of... Because it's just idling. It'll just idle to start with. I guess it was also has some kind of strategies to warm itself yeah. up and then just dump a bit of charge into the batteries. And it catches you by surprise because I'll sort of creep down my street electric power. Nothing. It's all very nice. And just some sort of pulling out onto the main road. Behind you. And you go, what? Someone's inflating a bouncy castle. What's going on? <laughs> Although, of course, we Londoners have got used to our buses doing this now. Yeah, yeah, our, yeah. Our buses have been doing this for a while. The hybrid buses will... Uh, pull away silently. Yeah, a bit often pull away from the stop on electric power. And then, you know, as you're in between the stops... The engine will kick in. Yeah, and they yeah. do that funny thing that they just won't just sit at a constant revs if it's just it's yeah. sometimes. Yeah. This is the world we live in. But no, the i8. I've just written up for Evo what my experiences of a month living in the city, but I would absolutely have one. Because they're 100 grand new. They're not a cheap car. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you've tried specking up a 911 on the Porsche configurator recently, but 911s are never cheap, are they? No. Because you go, I suppose I do want extra leather on the interior. Those, co- those configurators are a lot of fun. Want this. And, then, and then suddenly... Have- I was doing it the other day, and it's incredible. You and can then double I was, the price I was talking about it on Twitter. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Someone said to me on Twitter the other day, and I was putting up some results of things I was configuring and various mm. car makes. And someone went, have you managed to double the price of anything yet? And I thought, ha-ha. Let's give it <laughs> Right. Basic model Porsche Macan. Now let's go nuts with the options and double it. I mean, <laughs> double it, rank amateurs. You can get towards tripling it. Wow. With all manner of horribleness. And I would assume that those... 
extras do disproportionately well for the car companies. So where the profit uh, most is? Most of the options. Somebody from profitable. a car company I was talking to the other day told me that's exactly it. And there's a lot of things that the designers and the engineers would rather were just standard for yeah. various reasons. And manufacturing would probably rather be standard because it simplifies things. Mm. But the marketing people... They can put a big mark upon these options, and so they go, no, no, don't just standardise it across the range, because yeah. then how can we rinse people? It's been yeah. Mercedes' business model for years, where the base car comes with nothing, and then you have to add stuff to make it functional, and that's where their profit comes from. You know what? It's worked rather well for Mercedes over the years, yeah. hasn't it? Actually, those late smokes are not too bad. You remember when BMW used to make a radio optional? Yes. Like the E30, the yeah. 3 Series and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. There was nothing on them. Whereas Porsche did charge it? you extra for deleting your radio in the club sport model. Yeah, yeah they did. <laughs> That's the most genius one of all. And finally, Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton has drawn criticism for suggesting that racing in the Indy 500 does not require the same level of talent or skill as F1. Last weekend's race in Indianapolis was won by Takuma Sato. Britain's Max Chilton came fourth. Step petrol! We got a on speed! I remember being at the Paris Motor Show with you, thank you, Finn, with you, Richard, a few years ago, and I was standing on the Toyota stand. And the Toyota Auris, mm-hmm. Auris, mm. Corolla Corolla, yep. was there. And Toyota making a big thing of the fact that this car was connected. It was one of the first cars I remember seeing being sold where being constantly connected was a selling point, a virtue of this car. And it begs a question, how does it work? Are you actually paying for a phone contract when you buy a car? Because we test cars, a lot of the cars that we get... They come with all this connectivity. Mm. You don't have to pay for it. But if you buy a car, do you have ongoing costs? Do you have to pay for a 4G connection? Do you know? Well, we just got a new CDs as our family car, and that has uh, an app that talks to the car. So uh-huh. it is connected, and there's no extra payment. So I don't know whether it's sort of thrown in to start with when the car's new, and maybe a few years down the line, you start to pay for it. You haven't bought this car, you're leasing it. It's a lease it. car. Right. But it's basically Mercedes is sort of a running a, yeah, a, yeah. Know, they've got a SIM card and a, yeah. a mobile device. Sort of in somewhere the car, in the car, yeah. And, it's, supporting um, that for and it just means you've you... got a, an app which does a variety of things, some of which are useful, some of which less so, but mostly useful. And I mean, inherently, I'm slightly nervous about this because like, it has a find my car thing. You sort of go, well, I suppose that's quite handy if you parked it somewhere and forgot where it was. But then on the other hand, you kind of go, I can look it up and see where my wife is. And so by association, Mercedes and whoever might hack into Mercedes uh, yes. can look up and see where uh, any of us who's in the car are. Not yeah. sure about that. Who else but, can spy on you? Who else yeah. Those yeah. ransomware well, guys again. They yeah, could, uh, yeah. Your wife is in Sainsbury's. We're not going to let her out of the car park unless you give us a million well, pounds. And, and in all seriousness, there are some security concerns around Indeed. connected cars. People have demonstrated hacking attacks on vehicles while they're driving, yeah. shutting down Chrysler's, vehicles yeah. on yeah. the road. Mm. Yeah. Just for the sake of demonstrating that it can be done. I'm not aware that anyone has ever maliciously used any kind of hacking to tap. But the theory is but they could. There's anyway. another interesting part, and this actually could be quite troubling, there's another interesting bit of functionality built into the app that relates to our Merc, which is that you can unlock it from the app. 
Now, if you could hack into that, obviously that's quite bad because you could. Yeah. You can't start it, but you can unlock the car. However, when I found this out, I thought actually that would have got us out of a bit of a spot last year with our old car where our little boy got locked in it. My Ooh. wife put him in the child seat in the back, shut the back passenger side door, chucked her bag on the front passenger seat, shut that door, went to walk round to the driver's side, and the car locked itself. <sighs> and we thought there was something wrong with it maybe it was a software glitch or whatever I'm sorry Richard I can't open well, exactly. the door it's, a bit it's, like it's gone sentient what's happened here they had the car and had a look at it and plugged a laptop into it subsequently couldn't find any error codes or anything like that or anything wrong with the whole keyless central locking that it had best guess key was in my wife's handbag she threw it on the passenger seat something else in the handbag hit the lock button uh, in some way and could, yeah, could yeah, have could yeah. but then she rang me and going the car's just locked itself and our boy's inside. Have I done something wrong? Is there some trick I should be doing here to get back in the car? Yeah. I was in the Scottish borders. She's in London. So it's not as if I can just pop over and sort this out. You had a phone connection, presumably. I had a phone connection, yeah. Mercifully. Yeah, they've got mobile phones now in the Scottish borders, <laughs> as it turns out, as well as beautiful scenery. And, um, and so a neighbour of ours has got a key to our house went into our house, got the spare key. Thankfully, my wife was parked only sort of like about 20 minutes away from my house. Went, took the spare key to her, got into the car. Child relatively undistressed. It was all okay. But if we'd had our new car, she could have rung me and I could have gone, all right, hang yeah. on a minute, I'll hang up and then I'll use the app and I'll unlock the car. And you go, okay, well, mm, pretty interesting. Convenient. Good, pretty convenient. thank you, connectivity. Mm. That's quite good. You've got a new car now, apart from your Mercedes, you've replaced that with a what? We had a GLA and we've just got a GLC, which is the bigger one. Cause we've You're only ten. allowed to drive that in London, are you, the GLC? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. past City Hall. So, yeah, old, old school political joke. For yeah, the, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the 80s. But it's weird how many people have made that joke to me. <laughs> I, just, I, I wonder whether Mercedes in Britain ever had a meeting with their colleagues in Germany and went, <laughs> yeah, this name doesn't... Mm, it's just, Kind of doesn't work for us. Mind you, apparently they had the same thing with the VW Chiran when Volkswagen in Germany went, right, so there's the new people car is going to come out, we're going to call it the Chiran, and the UK importer went, uh-uh, no. <laughs> no, no. See, that name in the UK, it's like, it'll just get people going, Chiran, Tracy, it'll cause us problems, yeah, and Germany went, we don't care. <laughs> it's also why BMW didn't build an I version of the Raumschiff Automobile, the IRA, that wouldn't have worked very well either, would it? But there was a Kia concept car, wasn't it that was called like Ira? called the Irish Republic and Army I remember yes that. that's <laughs> right but no sorry it was the provisional <laughs> <laughs> aimed at learner driver <laughs> the new Audi UDA no, no works, I think it was it? a UDA was like it there really? was some kind of there was somebody I think it was Kia a few years ago accidentally gave a concept car a Mind name you. that reminded people over here of the Troubles and <laughs> it was, it, to be fair there have been so many terrorist <laughs> groups you know throughout the course of the 20th century it's probably quite hard to find a three letter name for a car that isn't the name yeah. of some terrorist the AMG Bardo Meinhof yeah, group exactly. BMG yeah. you go some way to beat the Vauxhall people's front of Judea yeah. <laughs> splitter um, on the front yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your new car is a Nissan I, Leaf yeah, yes finally because yeah, I've right, been, good I've been going on and on on the podcast about getting an electric car and I really want to do it because I live in London and I do a lot of short journeys sort of almost as an experiment into the near future what's life like with an electric car given that I can't charge at home, being one of the drawbacks that's always put me off a little bit. You haven't bought this car? No, again, I'm on a short lease. Someone at Nissan had heard or read me going on about this and 
they you shut had, your so yes. <laughs> well, this is what we'll do. So they had an ex demo car, and they went, "We will lease you this car for a short term, so you can just spend some time with it, and then we'll see how you get mm. on, and we'll take it from there." So What's a short term then? Six months at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Long enough to get a yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, but it's not quite like your sort of conventional kind of you know magazines get lent cars for six or twelve months for now. So I'm paying for this. I really wanted to do it. Also, it helps to keep the miles off my Defender because mm-hmm. I keep finding out what they're going for second-hand, the limited edition Defenders like mine. And I was really? talking to someone from Land Rover last week, and he went, you've still got your Heritage Defender, haven't you? And I went, yeah, yeah, I have. He went, where'd you keep it? I went, well, it's on the street. <sighs> and he went, what? You'll get Nick, mate. And I went, well, yeah, because I kind of, up until recently, I've just been using it as my car. It's my everyday car. And he went... Yeah. Everyday car? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> oh, well, clearly, yes. Have they really appreciated that much? Uh, yeah, a I bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, all of the ones that you see on piston heads and on auto trade that are for sale, they're ones that people have bought and immediately put in a garage. They're, most mm-hmm. of them have got mm-hmm. sort of 43 miles on or something. And mine's got five or 6,000 miles on it now. So it, Honest car, I don't use it all the time, but I do use but you it do quite use a bit. Because yeah. what's the point in having it I, otherwise? I, absolutely. You know, I quite like You didn't buy it to leave on no, the street. I didn't, exactly. So if you're not charging your leaf at home, where are you charging it? The office and public charging Yeah, place? so there's a public charging point around the corner from our house, which I haven't actually used yet because I haven't had any need. I've done a bit of electric car nerds, or call it, but you do this kind of opportunist charging. When you're going somewhere, you find out there's a charging point there, yeah. whack it on. And some of them turn out to be free as well. If you get all these different apps, they'll tell you. That's one of the problems with the charging network. Zap Map's good, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is good, yeah. But there's all manner of things. There's a lack of what you might call joined-up thinking in the charging network, because there's lots yeah. of different companies. Yeah. And then one company's taking over other companies, and there's charging points that are currently out of action because the old company owned them and they haven't been recommissioned, and it's all a bit people's well, front of Judea funnily enough it's an evolving yeah, infrastructure and business so mostly I've been charging it at the Grand Tour office where at the moment I use a three pin plug we're having a charging point put in because cool. James May has an i3 another colleague of mine is thinking of getting a Leaf or an i3 or something and we have borrowed electric and plug in cars you'll be so. fighting over the charging point well we're having two put in for that reason oh ok well, very... do you know how much it costs you for a full charge do you have to know what it's about the... a fiver isn't it I think they say uh, well that's the thing I've never done a full charge anywhere because that's the thing for Bean Summer I've been doing opportunist charging I plugged it in at the Brent Cross Shopping Centre on a sort of seven kilowatt charger, and I left it just for an hour or so. So it put a reasonable amount of juice in the car, and I think that cost me £3.50 or something. Mm-hmm. I forget now. That's your public charging, but charging from home, yeah. it's a lot cheaper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cheaper. Well, yeah. I don't know. Obviously, charging at work cost me nothing because the company yeah. is paying for it. Know, yeah. And TV's Jeremy Clarkson has threatened to dock my wages for this. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> he, he would, wouldn't he? Well, that's yeah, really going to hurt, isn't it? That's, we all know that, or we've all been told that filling up an electric car is super cheap. You know, yeah. the, the electricity is very cheap mm. and the equivalent mile-for-mile mile cost much, much lower. But I don't really know well, this how is... much it costs to completely fill up that leaf that's parked outside yeah. right now. I don't know. With, I was trying to find out. Funny enough, because I had it plugged in at the office. Well, the first times I plugged it in there, and Jeremy came over and he went, you've plugged your leaf into my electricity. Because obviously <laughs> now we, we make the Grand Tour. It's their production company, the presenter's yeah. own. And I went, yeah, why is that a problem? And he went, well, how would you feel if I went up to your petrol car and siphoned some of the petrol out? And I went, but yeah, it's not, not quite like this, that. Yeah, yeah. And then James was there as well. And I went, look, if you want to, just take the money out of my pay. And you went, oh, I will. I'm going to dock your wages. I went, look, that charge up there, it's costing like 
And I thought, now I'm talking to Jeremy, he likes exaggeration, so I'm going to exaggerate down. So I went, that's costing like 7p. <laughs> and then I went, back me up here, James. And James went, um, well, uh, and then I was like, no, don't back me up. Because I knew that James can't bet to fashion inaccuracy and he loves all the maths. And he'd be going, well, hang on a minute, you carry the one. And blah, blah, blah. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> it's, right. I, I don't know. But well, I think the charging points that we're having put in, they have a monitoring element in them as well because the charging points are designed for offices so you can bill your employees you can can monitor your energy use and you've got an app which tells you how quickly it's charging but it won't tell you how much it's costing to charge will it no one of them i've used might be the bmw one where i think you can set for example your overnight electricity rate Uh it'll do or it might be a separate app i forget but no the leaf app Talking as we were about connectivity, the Leaf also has an app where you can talk to the car. Less sophisticated than the Merc one, you can't unlock and lock it or anything like that. The most important thing is it tells you how much charge it's got in it. Mm. If it's charging, it tells you where it's up to. Mm. It sends you a notification when it's fully charged. But it also, this is really useful, it sends you a notification if charging stops for any reason. Mm-hmm. So if a public charger suddenly goes on the bonk, which they seem to do quite a bit, or if, say an idiot TV presenter decides it would be funny to turn the power off. Oh, did uh, that happen? No, it hasn't happened yet, it's but I'm, going I'm to, always convinced it? that he's going to. He thinks you're a communist, you see, doesn't yes. he? Yes. Yeah. So it'll just send you a little notification going, oh, your car's stopped charging. Yeah, and, that, and that's really yeah. handy. So at the end of the day, going, oh, going to have lots of electricity in my car. Going, oh. yeah, and you can you can heat the yeah. seat up as well, heat the car up before yeah, you, you get in it. I wish you could do that. Not the seat, but the car, I meant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. And I thought you could only do that when it's plugged in, but actually it seems if it's over a certain percentage of charge that's in the battery it will let you do it when it's not plugged in yep. and it's a nice thing nice thing to have the option of yep. even just to get a little bit of heating just to thaw off the screen if yep. it's a frosty morning well, you take, need take that. the edge off on a frosty morning well you need that in an electric car you know internal combustion engine cars dish out lots of heat which you can harness to do all that sort mm. of stuff with a leggy car yeah, you, you need get, you get an free. element or yeah. a heat pump to be able to do that from yeah. the batteries yeah, and yeah. It, it's not yeah. as quick yeah yeah but it's funny actually because how quickly you get into these habits. It has heated seats. They're very good heated seats. Mm. They use much less power, mm. obviously, than running the heater. And now the weather's getting warmer, likewise the air conditioning. And I just drive around with that off most of the yeah, time. Because it's funny how you just sort of... And you yeah, just kind of go, oh, I don't need this, it's okay. Because yeah. it has, deliberately so, a very prominent on-off button. So yeah. you don't have to fart around with settings. You just, it's all off yeah. if you want it to be. But it drives my wife nuts. She always goes, it's very stuffy in here. I'm like, no, it's fine, it's fine. Just put a window down or something. She's like, I can't, I just have to run the fan. I'm like, no, don't put the fan on. And then she drives it. And she likes it as a car, but I come back and she's had the air con on on a warm day. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake. Inefficiency. Yeah. yeah. I'm in that mindset myself. But actually, you know, you know, the breakthrough in electric cars and getting them to be accepted. The first time my wife drove it, I wasn't around. And she went, ah, now, and her car got a puncture. And she went, I need to go somewhere. Can I just use the leaf then? I was like, so... I was on the phone going, right, now, it's a bit unusual to drive compared to the cars you're used to. And I was giving this whole thing, and then she drove it, and she went, that's oh, great. What's, Stop, what's the big deal? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the yeah, thing. I mean, there's so yeah, little works. to do. And I was like, but the brakes will feel different. And she's like, With the app, can you do stuff like open and close the windows? Can you play music so you could scare no. people walking past your car? Sadly not. That's a shame. I'd just like a little intercom so you could just get <laughs> away from it. Go away. <laughs> no, I want sort of data readers. I want engine data. I want to know oil levels. I want to know how high the water temperature went during my last trip. I'm sure that kind that of stuff. You can do that on 
Now, what offers you that? I believe there are some third-party apps on mm. Android yeah. Autoplay, is it? Don't that, you have to buy one of those little OBD2 readers that plugs into the onboard diagnostics you probably socket do. and then that yeah, transmits you probably to do. you? So you've just yeah. upgraded some of the electronics in your car. You've now got a yeah, built-in sat now. I've put 21st century nice. connected electronics in the late, 80s, in the late car. 80s car. Yeah. And so far, the installation is in the process of being bodged skillfully <laughs> by me. No, but basically this Sony double-height touchscreen CarPlay and Android AutoPlay compatible head actually fits very nicely into the space that the old stereo used to take up. And actually, I'm going to be able to finish off quite a neat installation without cutting any of the plastic on the dash and the fittings, which I thought I might have had to do without spoiling it, so it can be reverted to the original pristine 1987 Mm. original interior if required. But yeah, it works beautifully. And to be able to have better navigation in a conveniently located bigger screen rather than having, you know, a smartphone clipped somewhere in my line of sight, that's a big improvement. Mm. I'm just trying to figure out where to stick the reversing camera and how to get the wire from the reversing camera back into the cabin. What a shame you can't connect to that via an app in your phone and you could have connectivity in your 80s car. That would be great, wouldn't it? What, you control it from out here? Yeah, yeah. you'd like that, wouldn't you? Because you like that sort of thing. Remote engine start would be good, actually. There you go. Yeah, you know, that would be good. You know, just just, just kind of freak people out when they're walking up to Mm. you, you know. Richard, a final thought. Young Sniff, your son now is three years old. Yeah. In the three years he's been on this planet, he's travelled in a range of cars, some of them petrol, some of them diesel, and more increasingly these days, electric cars. Your BMW i8 that you had Mm. and the Leaf. Does he think that travelling in internal combustion engine cars is noisy and unpleasant because the norm is a very different thing for him than it is for us we get a lucky car we go oh it's smooth and quiet i'm noticing he would notice the opposite wouldn't he well it's, th- it's one of the reasons i wanted an electric car is the contrast to my defender because it's like a very old-fashioned very noisy car i thought i wanted a sort of modern very quiet car it seemed like a good combo if i could just find a way to afford a 911 i'd have a sort of really good three-car garage in my mind but yeah he knows the leaf is electric because so the land rover is daddy's truck and the leaf is the electric car and he's aware that it's electric you know those leafs make that funny synthesized noise when you start them up that sounds like the tokyo underground actually three of them you can change it and they're all equally weird but he finds that really amusing in itself (laughs) and no other car he's aware of does that and then sometimes if we're pulling out onto the main road near where I live, because you get that instant torque, I'll go, electric car, and then floor it. And he finds that hilariously funny, because oh. it's that instant acceleration. So it's like 10 Be to 30 honest, miles an hour. You find it a little yeah, bit funny. Yeah, I do. <laughs> 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 the truth. You, can't, no. you can't entirely Well, the it. thing is, my wife was saying the other day, she went, you know, that when our boy is an adult, one day he'll go, God. When I was a kid, my dad had this really early electric car. I mean, it was crap. He had to drive it himself. Yeah, yeah, back, yeah. Back, back when everyone had their own cars. And we yeah, yeah. One car for everybody in, uh, but everybody in And he had to plug it in to I charge know, it instead of just plug- driving it over yeah, exactly. a thing. Yeah. No, it'll seem incredibly archaic. But at the moment, I think he is still quite amused by it. And he's vaguely aware that it is electric and most cars aren't electric. But, mm. but yeah, no, I think he quite likes it. I quite like it. I like it more than I thought I would, actually. It's a great, it's a, it's a fit for purpose. Yeah. car it's brilliant around london you don't have to charge up as half as much as you sort of 
expect you will because yeah. actually you're not going very far you're not using mm. very much electricity and if the traffic's bad you're sitting there you're not using anything at all and it has that smoothness and that quietness that we've always enjoyed about electric cars mm. and I was talking to someone the other day who's also driven Leaf and I was saying that's brilliant the ride's quite good but it's also it's the quiet and the smoothness and he went yeah it's luxurious isn't it and that's it it's not a luxury car by any stretch it's a funny little gawky hatchback but it does feel luxurious. It's I've weird. said it myself a number of times on this programme when reviewing Alecky cars. The only way you're going to get that sort of refinement and quiet and lack of MVH in an internal combustion engine car is by driving a Rolls-Royce. Alecky cars, they're just quiet and lovely. You've been listening to Richard. Goodbye. To Zog. Goodbye. Before we go, a quick word on the next episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, which is going to be a video special. You may remember Damien Sung came with us to Le Mans last year. You might want to listen to those shows again. Damien brought a lot to the programme. And he's made a fantastic video about that trip last year. You'll get it automatically if you subscribe to Gareth Jones on Speed, and I know you do. You'll enjoy it. Believe me, I've seen it. It's an absolute corker possibly the best bit of video we've ever had on this podcast so until then see ya to send us an email see pictures get song lyrics join our facebook fan site follow us on twitter or to find out about sponsorship opportunities go to garethjones.tv gareth jones on speed is made in london by whiz bang gareth jones on speed